Hello and welcome back to Series 2, Episode 218 of the Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come and Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and this is um, we're continuing with Alma 43-52, to covering August the 3rd to August the 9th. Stand fast in the faith of Christ. Today we're going to jump through a couple of uh, chapters today. Uh, we'll begin with the end of Alma 44, which I wanted to share yesterday, and then we'll cover Alma 45 and part of 46. So in Alma 44, verse 8, we still have uh, Zarahemna, who is um, in this position where he's been given a choice to lay down the weapons of war and to make an oath, a promise, that that they will never again take up their arms uh, against the Nephites. Now, of course, Zarahemna Zarahemna is quite clearly uh, another individual, and there are many of these individuals. In fact, it seems that all the individuals in the Book of Mormon take their oaths seriously. It would have been, been, been very easy for Zarahemna to have said, "Okay, yeah, you got us. Here's here's our weapons. Yeah, sure, sure. We won't we, we won't attack you again, and then go off, get to safety, and then you know break that oath." But it seems that in uh, this um, ancient time, that's similar to how we saw with Zoram and Nephi back in in First Nephi, uh, chapter four, um, mm. that an oath was a very serious thing for these people, and it's something which they would not ever break. And uh, we should we should really look to that as an example. Uh, and yes, even look to Zarahemna in this case as an example of keeping oaths and not making promises that uh, we are not being we're not willing to keep or maybe won't be able to keep. Uh, it is certainly a, something we can learn from this. But he doesn't promise. They continue with the battle, uh, and it turns out, of course, there is the incident where he rushes forward to kill Moroni and Captain Moroni, and his uh, his scalp is chopped off by Mor- Captain Moroni's um, servant or, or you know friend, and um, there's that whole <coughs> whole interchange as well. And then we find that once Zarahemna knows, as the battle commences, that he is going to die, that is the moment he says, okay, okay, we'll stop, we'll promise, and then they leave. You just imagine how many lives of his, you know, supposed friends, how many Lamanites' uh, lives could be saved if he had just made that promise in the first place. It's again, you know, another indication of where his priorities lie. He wanted power and he would, you know, even sacrifice the life of his friends and um, his fellow countrymen uh, to to get that. Uh, So I think that is obviously an indication of where his priorities were. We move into Alma 45. And here we have a little pause in the narrative of the wars, and uh, we have a few little interesting points I want to pull out from this chapter. First of all, we know that Alma comes to his son Helaman and asks him about his uh, the words he's spoken, about the records he's kept. And clearly Alma is, is recognising that it is his time to depart. Um, he makes a, a few other uh, prophecies, including the fact that the Nephites will um, be cut off, basically, uh, 400 years after Christ comes. Um, he blesses Helaman. And then in verse 18, uh, we read, And when Almer had done this, he departed out of the land of Zarahemla, as if to go to the land of Melech. And it came to pass that he was never heard of more. As to his death or burial, we know not of. Now, obviously, a number of things that could have uh, happened here, but obviously... Um, this is this is suggesting or implicating that, uh, or insinuating, I should say, that Alma perhaps was uh, translated. You know that his he was on this journey and then he just was never seen again. Uh, and so, I think that um, 
we'll take a pause here to think about Alma and just the wonderful blessings we we have from him. You know, we have over 40 chapters worth uh, of the ministry of Alma and uh, it really has been a, a really enlifting and, and, and empowering um, section to study. Uh, and I've, you know, I've always understood how, how much Alma the Younger shaped the, the spiritual lives of the Nephites, but just, just, you just look at that amount of what we've studied over the past number of weeks and uh, it, it is really incredible. We then move forward uh, and we see that um, whilst these are indeed the war chapters, uh, there is a very important process going on in the background as well to help the Nephites. In verses 21 to 22, it says, For behold, because of the wars with the Lamanites and the many little dissensions and disturbances which had been among the people, it became expedient that the word of God should be declared among them, yea, and that a regulation should be made throughout the church. Therefore, Helaman and his brethren went forth to establish the church again in all the land, yea, in every city throughout all the land which was possessed by the people of Nephi. And it came to pass that they did appoint priests and teachers throughout all the land over all the churches. Now, I think that we um, we overlook this small detail. Well, I say it's a small detail. It, it reads as a small detail because it's very quickly mentioned and then we carry on with the next part of the wars. But um, this is so important. You know, Alma, we had about a dozen chapters of him going about all the lands of the Nephites, re-establishing the church and, um, you know, in, in developing their spirituality. And Helaman does the very same thing. And in fact, we sometimes forget the importance of this, I think. Um, Lindy Wardle uh, said this, quote, In Moroni's day, it was not merely the secular authorities, generals and chief judges, who established the peace. The high priest of the church, Helaman, worked closely with Moroni to quell dissent. Before the lengthy Nephite-Lamanite wars began, he tried to set the church in order because the dissensions that soon were to plague the nation were evident in the church. Just as Moroni, the great general, prayed and preached powerfully, Helaman, the great prophet, took up the sword and led an army, the 2,000 stripling warriors. The establishment of peace did not merely mean that the Lamanites were defeated, but also that the gospel was widely preached. Close quote. And I think this is a great example here, a wonderful application, a lesson, a real, a real lesson we can apply into our lives, that if you look at the Nephites during this, these war chapters, yes, they did a lot to put things physically in place. We see Captain Moroni's great... Um, you know, proactivity in making sure that they were prepared against the storms of the Lamanites, uh, in such such as wearing armor and building up fortifications, we'll, we'll learn of later. But also, Helaman played a great part in this as well. And that was because he built up the spiritual um, strength and the spiritual fortifications for the Nephites as well. This wasn't just a, a war where the temporal things mattered. The spiritual things had to be taken care of as well. And uh, Helaman played a great part in that. So I love that. That's a really insightful and, and you know, an important lesson, which I had always passed over in these chapters because, of course, we are now in the war chapters. And so I always focused on the Zarahemna, um, you know, moment. And then we jump ahead to now to Amalekiah. Speaking of Amalekiah, let's start looking at him in Alma 46, verse 3. Um, it says, uh, Now the leader of Oh, I just lost it again. Now, the leader of those who were wroth against their brethren was a large and strong man, and his name was Amalekiah. Now, first of all, it's not a surprise to us, again, that a major issue or a major problem for the Nephites comes from their own ranks. Uh, it's very rare now that the Lamanites are the ones that are pushing to attack the Nephites. It's very rare that it's because of a, a dissenter or a group of dissenters from the Nephites that caused this. Again, an important lesson for us. Uh, to understand that 
we need to keep uh, to the gospel path. We need to make sure that we are building ourselves in, in spiritual strength and not, you know, losing that that spiritual connectivity with the Lord because we can easily feel distant because we lose that. Uh, Amalekia, uh, Hugh Nibley said, uh, quote, Amalekia is one of a line of brilliant troublemakers who keep things stirred up. Beginning with Laman and Lemuel, we meet in order Sherem, Amulon, Nehor, Am- Amlesai, Zizram, Korihor, Zerahemna, and now neither last nor least, Amalekiah. All of these men had certain traits in common. All were personally ambitious and unscrupulous, aspiring to be either king or the religious head of the people. All were powerful speakers and pr- clever propagandists, skilled in the use of flattering words. All sought to undermine if they could not seize the highest authority of the church and the state, being particularly opposed to popular government and drawing their support from those who sought to overthrow it. Close quote. Now, I think that, uh, you know, there's not many of us that will fall into these categories of being aspiring to be ahead a of a people or, you know, clever or powerful speakers or clever propagandists. I mean, these are pr- pretty... Um, heavy things to to have um, you know attributed to us, and this don't forget is is over hundreds of years of history for the Nephites. So it's likely that one or two in a, in a century would appear like this. Um, but we do need to make sure that we check ourselves and we are not having similar attributes to these people. Are we being aspiring in areas of our lives, even in in areas of work? We can have ambitions, we can have goals, but are we being you know negatively aspiring? Do we you know um, dis or not not applaud others for their great work in the workplace because we want to be the one to get that next promotion. Uh, I think that it's a very, very fine line that we can tread. Uh, and, you know, Amalekari is obviously an example of someone that went the far extreme, uh, as we often find a many number of extremes in the scriptures, but they do illustrate a point. Now, of course, with Amalekia, he did, you know, draw a, an extreme uh, and we can apply and liken him uh, to that of Lucifer. And we will do this as we move through this next chapter. I, I find that the story of Amalekia and his rise amongst the Lamanites in the, in the next couple of chapters fascinating because there are some really important lessons we can learn for our spiritual salvation in those chapters. Uh, I am going to stop there because, uh, once again, the time is running short. But what we'll do tomorrow is we'll have a look at how uh, Captain Moroni responds to Amalekia's threat within the, the Nephite um, pe- um, population. And then we'll move on the next day into Amalekia's work amongst the Lamanites and what this leads to. Thank you very much uh, for listening today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please do share your thoughts on what you've been studying uh, on the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. That'll be fantastic to hear some more of your thoughts. And also you can email ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you would like to join on a future podcast episode. I've only done one of those episodes for, so far and I'd love it if we could get some more done. Uh, I can set up a time on Zoom for us to, to meet and have a 10, 15 minute chat uh, and we can share a study um, together. That'd be great. So please email there if you're interested. Thank you for listening and until we meet again.